Good job. Thank you. Well, good morning. Good morning. Oh, man, that was so awesome to see the, those baptisms. Well, if it's your first time here, welcome to Grace Church. Uh, my name is Omar. I get the uh, privilege and honor of pastoring here, um, but uh, I'm glad you're here, and uh, we're right in the middle of a series in, in, uh, about relationships, and uh, we are right in the middle of it. Uh, it's been really fun to hear a lot of feedback in the last several weeks about people that have really been enjoying and learning a lot about uh, relationships and how to build healthy relationships through this series. So, uh, so I hope that you're gaining some things. I know that I've been learning a lot of things. But uh, during this series, we have been uh, looking at the book of Genesis. So we've been going to the first book of the Bible, and we've been looking at the family and relationship dynamics through this book. And I'll just tell you that I know for a lot of us that have been rereading it or reading it for the first time, it actually gives us more questions than answers. I mean, when you start looking at these stories, man, it just really makes you wonder. And, uh, and, and, and it has creation in it, but obviously it's not the full story. There's a lot of things, a lot of details, I believe. I think if God gave us a full glimpse of how he, he created the heavens and the earth, uh, I think there'd be volume upon volume. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting is that this book is really about God birthing families, building relationships, and then those families were to create nations. And, and as we look through this book, we see something there. There's a message, there's a thread. It's, it's saturated with this one message, and it's, it's, it's in the faithfulness of God. That through the highs and the lows, and through all the, the, the things in relationships and the messiness of it, God is always staying faithful to his people. It's a book of grace and truth. So I believe that we could glean a lot of good truths from this book. I told you in the very beginning that God created us. He wired us for relationships. We also learned that relationships are a gift from God. Do you believe that? See, God's desire for us is to live and grow in relationships. But relationships, let's be honest, can get hard sometimes. It can get messy sometimes. And and so we we need help. We need help to build these up. And I'm so thankful that God gives us the blueprint. He gives us his word. He instructs us, but not just that, but he also sends us his Holy Spirit. Are you thankful for that? That the Spirit and the Word can work together to bring transformation, and that's really what we're all about here. We're learning to grow in this area of relationships, whether it's a family dynamic or just outside relationships, but we have to understand that it's through the principles of the Word, but it's breathed by the Spirit of God to help us to work through some of the hard moments in relationships. Well, let's allow the spirit and the word to work right now. So will you join me as we pray? Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be here and share your word, God. But I pray, Father, that you would just continue to speak to our hearts, give us encouragement, give us confirmation, God. And though sometimes we resist this, but also give us correction. We're gonna receive it all. We're gonna say yes and amen to it all. So I thank you for this holy word. Let it transform our lives today. Everyone, in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, you heard me say this every week, is that perfect circumstances do not create healthy relationships, and oftentimes people pursue those things. They just think that if they get the the right job or the right setup in life, that maybe the relationships will go better, and we've tried that or we've seen that happen, and we realize that that's not what it takes. We learn through this book of the Bible and this teaching is that right, right choices produce healthy relationships. So far, we've been studying people's choices in this book. We studied and learned about the choices that Adam and Eve made and how that impacted 
their relationship. We heard about Noah and we've seen the choices he made and how that impacted his relationships. And Misty, uh, I know she's not in here, but didn't she do a good job? That was an awesome word, man. I've been chewing on that all week. But she talked to us about these two women, Sarah and Hagar, and their choices and their relationships and how it impacted them and their family. Well, this morning I wanna focus in and, uh, on a guy that's pretty prominent in this book. It's good old Father Abraham. Come on, Father Abraham. How many sons? Come on. Oh, yeah, if you grew up in the 80s or 90s, man, you know exactly what that is. Other people are like, what? There, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you were homeschool, right? Is that the homeschool crowd? <laughs> yeah. But in our passage today, we, we will bump up against this guy named Abram. Now, when we read it, it's gonna say Abram, but it's Abraham, it's the same dude, and I know I'm gonna mess that up today, so I'm already telling you right now that you're gonna hear me go back and forth, but it's the same dude, okay? Abram, Abraham. See, God adds that addition to his name, this, this, this part that, that, that speaks not only of his identity, but it's wrapped in the promise of God. That's what makes this so special. See, let me tell you about the meaning of his name. Abram, what does that name mean? It means noble father, noble father. It's interesting that this was the name given to him at birth, but at the age of 75, God made a promise to this man, and he said that out of you, I will birth a nation. God gave him the name Abraham, which it changed his name. It changed the meaning. You don't think it's much of a change, but it means father of many. The God promised him. He said, I'm not just gonna make you a father of a nation. I'm gonna make you a father of many nations. Many nations. I think that's pretty amazing. That God promised him. He said, out of your seed, the nations will be blessed. He didn't say out of your seeds, he said out of your seed because it was a prophetic tone to this promise from God that said that out of you, Abraham, would come one and we know him as Jesus. It's pretty amazing that that's how God gave him a name and a promise and wrapped it in his name. Abraham's life is recorded in 13 chapters of 50 chapters in the book of Genesis. However, He's mentioned throughout the Bible, throughout the Old and the New Testament. So he's a pretty important guy. He's kind of a big deal. This is why. See, theologically, we understand this, is, uh, is that this promise was given to him, but it wasn't just a promise, but it was the promise. It was the promise of the promised one. And theologically, we see that Abraham's promise, God ultimately fulfilled in Christ. And what's really cool about this, this, this promise is that if we are in Christ, then we receive the blessing and the promise that Abraham received. That's what that means. So he's a big deal. But also, as we look in his life and we unpack a few moments of his life through the book of Genesis, we're also gonna see that there's some, there's some, some, some stuff that we can learn practically about this man, this father of faith. Abraham's life will show us some practical steps on how to build our relationships and have a blueprint to maintain a healthy marriage and how to navigate through family conflict. I don't know about you, but those are some areas that I can always work on. And that's what we're gonna see in this story. But let me begin with asking you a question here. How many of you have ever had an experience in your life where somebody asked you to come along with them on a trip 
but they didn't tell you where they were going. They were just saying, hey, why don't you come with me, jump in, jump on the, uh, uh, in the car, get on the bus, jump on the plane, and you just said, okay, you didn't know where you were going, but because of who asked you to go, you were like, I'm in, I'm down. How many of you guys have ever had that experience before? Raise your hand. Wow, these are our adventurers, okay? These are the people, if you are in Enneagram, you're a seven, right? You're just all about that. You're just like, take me, I'll go wherever we go, it doesn't matter. My wife is like that, she'll just, she'll just go. But I suspected that there would only be a few hands because most of us wouldn't feel comfortable, no matter who asked us, no matter who it was, if we got in the car and we started that journey, we would ask, where are we going? And when are we gonna get there? What's your plan? That's very uncomfortable for many of us. And what I think is so interesting about this guy named Abraham is that we, we're introduced to him through scripture because he was, he was in a situation like this. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis chapter 12. Starting in verse one, it says, and the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go into the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All, everybody say all. All All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And this is an interesting part here in the next verse. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed us, or instructed. See, the, the Bible leaves out a lot, right? From, from that promise, from that call from God to him stepping out in obedience. I, I believe that if he was a human, if he was like you and I, he might have had some questions. He might have had some mixed feelings. I mean, God asked for a lot. But it doesn't tell us how he felt. It doesn't even tell us how he heard from God. I mean, was it an audible voice? Was it a prompting on his heart? Was it something that he read through, through, through some scriptures? I mean, how did he know that this was God? It doesn't tell us how he knew. It just says that he trusted. It just said that he obeyed. And I could imagine that this was not an easy decision for him to make. I mean, it's one thing to move. It's quite another to not know where you're moving to, not really exactly know where you're going. See, Abram had to leave everything that was comfortable He had to leave everything that was familiar. He had to leave his security. But you know what he did know? He didn't know where where it was gonna lead him, but he did know one thing. He knew that God gave him a promise. God gave him a promise. What was the promise? Well, we just read it. God said this. He says, I will guide you, and I will bless you. I will guide you, I will bless you, and I will show you. I don't know about you, but have you ever had an experience with God like that? Where God uh, gave you a call God gave you an instruction. God gave you a vision. You know, oftentimes in our, in our walk with God, there's gonna be some moments in our lives where God will give you a destination, but not really show you all the steps in between. Yeah. Or maybe God will give you one step and you don't really know where the destination is. <laughs> I don't think God ever gives you both of those. Why? Because there's always this, this, this tension in all of our walks with God where it's gonna require some faith. See, that's the gap between where we're at and where we wanna go or where God's leading us and the gap in between is faith. I know we've all experienced that before, but when we have those moments, and maybe some of us are in that moment right now, you need to anchor yourself into the promise of God because that's what Abraham did. That's what got him through the feelings. 
got him through the emotions is that he knew, like, God, I don't know that I have it all planned out, but I'm gonna trust you because you're giving me a promise. I'm giving you a, you're giving me a promise. See, when God told Abraham to go, it might have seemed like the biggest leap of faith in his life. It might look like the biggest step, but when you start reading more in Abraham's life, there's gonna be bigger steps for him to take. It's interesting that sometimes the steps that God is asking us to move is gonna be a smaller step, but it's gonna build our faith so that when he takes us on this other big thing that we've been crying out to him for, then we're gonna have the faith built to make that leap. And that's what we see, that God is building this man up. And the crazy thing is, if I'm honest, man, I love my comfort zone. I love to play it safe. I don't like to be stretched. I like it when it's familiar but I realized that if I wanna be in the center of God's will, it's gonna require me to get out of my comfort zone. That's just how God works. If you don't know now, you know. And I'm not talking about being unwise or foolish. I'm talking about those moments where you just know God's calling. You just know it's God's voice. And God is calling you out. And like I said, there's this gap between your comfort zone and the unknown, and that gap is called faith. And it says that this is required of us. If we're gonna choose to follow Jesus, then we are required to exercise this faith, to trust him in the moments where we don't see the other side. But remember, with every call of God, there is a promise from God. That's what you need to anchor in your truth. With every call from God, there is a promise from God. See, to Abram, God said, go, trust. And if you do, I will. And I think that's what God's speaking to many of us. He's calling us out, calling us up, and he's saying, but if you do this, I will. What did he say he would do? He said he will guide and bless his family. See, God's promise to you, I believe that right now God's wanting to show you that if you trust in him, he will guide and he will bless. Didn't he tell us, didn't Jesus promise us that he will never leave us nor forsake us? He's with us. But the enemy, man, he likes to mess with us, right? He's gonna throw some seeds in our minds about trusting God, he'll say questions like, what if it goes wrong? He's gonna tell us and have us have thoughts as, what if God is not in this? Have you heard that before? Or how about this one? What if God doesn't do what he said he would do? You know, that paralyzes us, you know? That, 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 that plays in us, and if we don't know how to work through that, if we don't know how to anchor ourselves into the promises of God, then we won't do anything. It'll stunt our growth. It'll stunt what God wants to do in our lives. And let me give you an example. I want to show you a picture of, of, of an animal here. This is the African impala. African impala. I learned a little something about this, this, this magnificent beast there. I mean, that's made to run, right? Made to gallop. Do you know that this animal here can jump 10 feet in the air? And when it's at full speed and full stride, it can go distance in one stride 30 feet in length. I mean, this thing has to outrun some cheetahs, right, where it lives, and so it needs that. It's, it's required of it. It has the capability of that. But if you capture one of these and you put it into a pen and you raise up four feet high walls around it, this Impala cannot get out. Why? Because an Impala will not jump unless it knows exactly where its feet will land. If it doesn't see it, it won't jump, even if it has the ability to do so. I think some of us are not experiencing the full freedom of God in our lives because we're trapped by fear. 
fear of not knowing what's on the other side when God told us to jump. You know, we, we, we're paralyzed, we're, we're, we're questioning, we're, we're, we're wondering. You know what's crazy to me is I was thinking about this this week, I just thought, man, you know what's amazing is that, is that 30 years ago or 30 plus years ago, there was a group of people that, that, that sat here and they took a big leap. You know our founding pastors, Mike and Claire McIntosh, when they planted this church, you know that took a big leap of faith. And there was lots of sacrifices and there was lots of testing of their faith to keep these doors open. And some of you were here in those days. But you know, they didn't have a guarantee, a full guarantee. They didn't know that 30 plus years later, they hoped that the doors would be open. They hoped that the church would thrive, but they didn't really know. They didn't have a full guarantee. They didn't have the full finances. They didn't even have all the people. But they trusted God's call. And they took that step of faith and they moved from where they were at and they planted themselves here because they were called. You know what? They didn't have all the guarantees, but you know what they did have? They had the promise. And it was that promise that they anchored themselves in and they grew their faith to trust and believe that each week and each month God would provide, that God would continue to guide, God would continue to bless. And that's the DNA of this place. And we are part of that promise. So I'm wondering, friends, I'm wondering 30 years from now, what kind of congregation is gonna be sitting here? What kind of pastor is gonna be standing above here in 30 or 40 years from now? And I'm gonna say, I hope that they're thinking about the faith that you guys had, the leap that you had to take to get them where they're gonna be, right? It's gonna require faith. Uh, that was even in my notes, but come on. That's, that's a promise. So it says in verse four, I gotta hurry up. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. I'm gonna talk about Lot in a minute. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Oh man, that tells me he was no spring chicken, right? I mean, he was, he was thinking he was gonna retire, but God's gonna refire him, right? Some of you guys are in your 70s right now. I'm telling you, it's time to refire. I need you. If we're gonna get to that next place, man, I need you. I need you. So Abraham stepped out in faith. This is a big moment, right? He leaves his family. It's a big move, a big, tremendous leap of faith. He's conquering, he's feeling good. And what's amazing to me is that as he's trusting God, as he's getting to that place, what happens? Difficulty. Ah, some of us know what that's like, right? We trust God, we take that step, and all of a sudden, chaos comes. So let's hear what happens. It says, verse 10, it says, at the time they got there, there was a severe famine that struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. I mean, just imagine, he must have thought, man, I trusted God. I did all the right things. I obeyed. I left my family. I brought them here, and I get here, and now there's a famine? This can't be the will of God. I mean, some of us are feeling that same way right now. We're like, man, God, we did everything you asked. Why are we here? But I've been a pastor long enough to tell you this, that every time you take a step of faith in the right direction, there's normally a test right after because God's all about stretching our faith and showing us his glory and all the things we sing about, but he's trying to stretch us and get us to that place. When Jesus was baptized, what does the Bible say? It says immediately the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. There was always a test that comes on the back of obedience. You know, the translation here, it says that he was forced to go, but when I read the original language, it says that he made the decision to go. That's important because it says that out of fear, he made this decision. He chose to go down to Egypt. He didn't pray about it. He didn't ask God about it. He didn't hear God tell him to do that. Where did God tell him? God said, go into Canaan, go into the promised land, but he went the opposite direction. He went down, and I wanna tell somebody, don't go down when God has called you up. 
Don't try to do it on your own. And no point did God tell Abraham, you know what, I wanna send you to this place, I'm leading you to this place, this promised land that I'm gonna prosper you in. Oh man, I forgot there's a famine next month. Why don't you go down to Egypt and just hang out there until this thing rides out and then I'll bring you back. God didn't say that. Why? Because God could have blessed them through the famine. God could have made it. He said, I'm gonna bless you so you could be a blessing. What if Abraham's call, what if the story we haven't read was that God was gonna bless him and prosper him in the famine when everybody was wondering, how, how is this guy getting blessed? And then he can show them the one true God. Some of us are just pulled back from all this thing when God wants to show us something bigger and greater. I believe that God called him to the place and if he called him there, he could sustain him in that place. But he panics and he goes down to Egypt and it makes things worse for his marriage. Verse 11, it says, as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abraham said to his wife, Sari, look, you are a very beautiful woman. Come on, uh, women, beware if your husband's complimenting you because there's something else coming. <laughs> no, you need to compliment her all the time so she's not suspicious. <laughs> oh, my bad. It says, when the Egyptians saw when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, let's kill him, then we can have her. See, fear gripped his heart, and he stopped trusting God's promise. This is proof that he was stepping out of God's will, remember? Verse 13, he says, so please tell them that you're my sister. Now, that's a little creepy, isn't it? <laughs> I thought about that, I was like, but it was kind of a half-truth because he was related to her, but it was by marriage. But nonetheless, what we see here is that there is a compromise that begins to enter in their marriage. Now we know, those married folks here, you know that marriage is all about compromise, right? Two people, they're gonna compromise at times, right? That's a good marriage, you're gonna work that out. I'm not saying don't compromise in your marriage, I'm saying don't compromise with your marriage. And that's what we see here, he's compromising with his marriage. His compromise was based out of fear, based out of selfishness. Look what he says, he says, then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Wow, that's dirty. <laughs> he's selfish, he's wrong, and this is not God's will. Let's read further, I'm sure you're interested in what happens next. Verse 14, he says, and sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed that Sarah was a hottie, right? <laughs> when the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh the king, and Sarah was taken into his palace. When Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her, sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Wow, do you see what's happening here? Man, he's thriving. Business is booming, but the marriage is suffering. I wanna say this, that God doesn't care if your business is booming, but he does care if your marriage is suffering. And many of us are making sacrifices for good business that's at the cost of our marriages and our families. We're, we're putting ministry and opportunities in front of our marriage and our families. I mean, I've been around to see it enough and I, I have this, this deal, this pact with my wife that I tell her anytime there's an opportunity in ministry, my first thing is I go to her and I say, is this good for us? And she knows what I'm talking about. I'm saying like us. Not us, but us. Is there parameters? Is there things that I can put in place to help us? We made decisions long ago that, you know, when we do ministry stuff, man, there's not, we're not gonna be uh, home or not home every day so that we don't have dinner with our kids. We're gonna make time for us. Now, I know many of us, we're just like, well, you know, we're, we're, we're doing this for our kids. We're trying to give them everything that we didn't have. 
You know the best thing, I'm talking to married people right now with kids, the best thing you can do for your child is to raise them up to be good adults so they can leave your house. And they know that as they leave the house, their parents are still married, still love each other, still friends. You know, those married folks, you stood up at an altar at one time in your life and you made a pledge and an oath before God and all the witnesses and said that I will put my marriage first. You made that commitment before God. Don't compromise your marriage. Look what happens, verse 17, it says, but the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because, Sarah's, Abraham's, because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. Why have you done this to me, he demanded. Why did you tell me she was your sister? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife, take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them. He wanted to make sure they were out. And he sent Abram out to the country along with his wife and all their possessions. Pharaoh was appalled by Abram's decision to give away his wife for his safety and his security. And he kicked him out. Friends, I wanna tell you that if we tell the world, if we tell people that we love God, but we show them that we don't care for our family, what kind of witness is that? It's appalling to the world. They're like, what is that? I don't want anything to do with that. Just the fact that God sent plagues upon Egypt shows us that this was not God's will. It was not God's will. So what's the lessons to learn? With every call, there's also a promise of God. We need to trust him and don't compromise your marriage. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Now, I told you we're gonna talk about conflict, so we're gonna turn the page. We're gonna go back, we're gonna go into the next chapter, okay, because that's the end. He hears from God. He says, okay, I gotta get back on track, and so he gets back on track, goes back, he leaves Egypt, and he goes to Cana. And he gets back on track with his family, gets the right priorities, and what meets him there? Conflict, everybody say conflict. Now, I don't care how spiritual you think you are, I don't, know how, I don't care how much you pray, I don't care how much you attend Grace Church, I'm telling you, you will always have conflict in your life. Jesus was sinless, and Jesus always had conflict. So you can't run from conflict, but we do have to learn through God and the Spirit, through the Bible, how to work through conflict, because it's gonna come, verse 13. It says, so Abram left Egypt and traveled north to Negev, along with his wife and Lot, and all that they owned. So Lot was his nephew, who was being blessed, because God was blessing Abraham, and he liked to hang on. There's always hanger honors, right? And so he followed him when he went out to Canaan, he followed him when he went to Egypt, and he followed him now back. Verse five, it says, Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with his flocks and sheep and goats, herds of cattle and many tents, but the land could not support both Abraham and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. This is an important detail here because their possessions were so great, they were being so blessed that they couldn't stay together, but that brought conflict. It says, so a dispute broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. It was interesting, okay, look, What's, happen, what's happening here? There's conflict. You would think that wealth, success, and things, you would have been that a setup that nobody should be mad at each other. Everybody should love each other. Isn't that what I'm saying is that sometimes the perfect circumstances doesn't bring healthy relationships? Some of us are thinking that, but as we see the proof here, it brought conflict, wrong conflict. See, because the more we focus on stuff other than the source, we get off track. When we become more focused on the blessing rather than the blessing, or the blesser, we get off track. God is our source, 
You know, as a pastor, I don't know how many times I do funerals and I'll say this to people, I'll say, you know, funerals bring out the best in families and the worst in families. And you know, some of the times where I see the worst in families is when they're fighting over stuff. When there's a time that they're supposed to come together and honor their loved one and, and, and feel more bonded as a family. When it's all about stuff, there's discord, dissension, and division. I've done funerals where there's, there's two people on each side that won't even talk to each other because of stuff. We have to learn to never worship our stuff, but to worship God with our stuff. When conflict arises in relationship, here's the key, take the higher ground. When conflict shows up in your relationship, especially in our families, someone needs to stand up and do the right thing. Someone needs to stand up and take the higher ground. And that's what Abraham does. It says, finally, Abraham said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are, we are close relatives. It's interesting that he stood up and he said, you know what, this isn't okay. Somebody needs to stand up. And my hope is that it's people of God that will stand up in a family conflict and say, someone needs to do the right thing here so that there could be result, that there could be reconciliation, that there could be unity in our family because we're family we need to work this out. Then Abraham offers a solution, and that's what I love about Abraham. See, something tells me he learned a lot about his time, with his time in Egypt. Let's keep going. I'm almost done here. It says, then the whole, he looks at the whole, he says, the whole countryside is open to you. This is what he tells Lot. This is his solution. He says, take your choice of the section of land that you want, and we will separate. If you want the land on the left, then I'll, then, then I'll take the one on the right. If you prefer the right, then I'll take the left. I mean, how many times with family conflict do we get trapped to get into a conflict with our family and fight for what's fair and not fight for what's right? You might be thinking, well, isn't that the same? Isn't, should, isn't the right thing the fair thing? Well, you know what? Let me tell you this. If God gave us what's fair, we'd all be doomed. But we know the grace of God. And sometimes it might, it might be something where you resolve something just to, to keep peace to bring reconciliation, because that is the heart of God. This is what Jesus says in his teachings in Matthew 5. You think that this is hard. This is what Jesus says. He says, if anybody wants to see you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, then go with them two miles. That does not seem fair, but it does seem right. Why? Because that's the heart of God, and that's what he wants from his children. You might have to write a check. You might have to say, okay, I'm gonna take it in the chin this moment because it's better for me to be right with you because I love you and want reconciliation with you. Have you ever had to do that? It's not easy. But I'm telling you, God will bless you. Jesus, God's, uh, Jesus continues, says, he says, be perfect therefore as your Father in heaven is perfect. The word perfect doesn't mean without flaw, it means without need. And the reason why I can make those decisions to bring, to do the right thing is because I understand that my source is God. It's not about the stuff. That's what Jesus is teaching. So I'm gonna close out with this, is that there are some, some things that we can learn from Abraham and how he resolved this. And I wanna share this with you. Number, the, the, the first thing here is don't fight for what you cannot lose. You know, God told him, he says, I will bless you. It will come from me. And you will have these things because of me. He knew his source. God's promise to Abraham, and he learned this in Egypt. He learned from Egypt the valuable lesson that, he, that God does not need his help. And that's why he was so confident. I mean, look how confident he is to stand with Lot, and they're looking at this land, and he's saying, you know what? It doesn't matter if you go right or go left. I'll take whatever you don't want. 
Why? Because he knew that he didn't have to follow favor, favor followed him. He knew that the blessing wasn't the stuff, it wasn't that one part of the land was blessed, it was that he was blessed, and no matter where he stepped foot in, it was going to be blessed, and it was gonna be prosperous, because it was a promise from God, from heaven. It didn't matter what it looked on the outside, he knew and believed that God was gonna do what he wanted to do. And some of us, man, we're just not confident there. We don't see it because we look at it like Lot, who looked at it in a carnal way. And what you'll read about later is that he had to pay for that. His family paid for that. He looked at the land. You know what Lot should have done? He should have honored his uncle, who really helped him, who really blessed him. He really be, he was, this guy was successful. He, you, you heard of his wealth. He had just as much wealth as Abraham. But you know what? It wasn't enough. And so he's looking, and this is where he was carnal because he's looking at the situation. He's like, what's the best one? That's the one I want. He should have humbled himself and, brought, and came before his, 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 his uncle and said, you know what? You've, I want to honor you. You choose. I'll take what's ever, what's ever left. But he didn't do that. He chose what he saw with his eyes. But there's a difference between reaction and revelation. And Abraham received a revelation from God. He didn't make his decision based on what he saw. He made his decision based on what God said. And you know what God said? As soon as Lot left, God came to Abraham and he said this. He says, okay, now Abraham, you go where I send you and wherever you step is gonna be blessed. And he says, wherever you go, it's gonna expand. And what I'm gonna do for you is more than you could ever imagine. You think this is good? Just wait. I'm gonna bless you and you're gonna bless the nations and your ancestors and your descendants are gonna be blessed forever and ever. He just expanded. That's revelation because it comes from God. He kept his heart tender and his life humble and he leaned in to the promises of God. I feel like I need to close this way. Can we put that song back up? You know the song we sang at the end? It says something about the promises, right? Your promises still stand. Great is your faithfulness. I feel like some of us need to be reminded of that this morning, that God's promises still stand. And maybe some of us, man, we're in that, that pin of fear. We just don't see the other side yet, but we know that we can anchor our faith in God's promise to us, that he will guide us and that he will bless us. And so I sense in my heart that God wants to, to, to show you that today so that you can trust him with this big step. Now there's some of you that that big step is actually just trusting him with your life. Your big step is salvation. Your big step is saying, this Christian thing, I'm not so sure, but then today you're like, okay, can I take that step of faith and trust and believe the gospel truth? For some of you, that's that. Maybe for others, We need to learn how to handle conflict. Maybe for some of us, man, God's been speaking to us through this service and he's saying, you know, you need to make that phone call. You need to make this thing right. He brought you here to this place because he wants to prosper your family. He wants to heal your family. But do you know that he wants to use you to do that? And you've been waiting for someone else to do it. You've been waiting for somebody else to step up. And God wants to tell you that he's called you to do that. That you're the one that he wants you to step up. Somebody's got to take the higher ground. Somebody's got to make step up and step in and trust God. Even if you haven't all figured, got it all figured out, God's telling you today, you could trust his promise. He will guide you, he will bless you, and he will show you. And I believe that's what he wants to do for many of our families. 
but we gotta put ourselves in that spot where we're gonna say, yes, Lord. We need you to reconcile our family. Come on, if anybody here has some family conflict that needs to be resolved, what did we learn from the Bible? First, we need to bring it to God. Some of us have been doing things on our own. We've been trying to throw more resources at it. We're trying to be more strategic about it. We're trying to put it all in this and make it sure that it all fits in our minds. But I'm telling you, you need to trust God. You need to stop doing it on your own. Maybe you haven't brought it to God first. And so this is your opportunity. Can I have you stand? I sense that God wants to remind you of his promise, whatever he said. Collectively, God said that his promise to us that he will guide us and bless us. But maybe there's some individual promises. And God wants to remind you that you could trust him. And so I want us to sing this song. I want to have her lead us. Just this chorus here. And I want it to be more than just a song with a great melody. I want it to be a prayer. I want it to be something that you're saying from your heart, that you're exalting him and you're bringing it to him and you're saying, God, I'm gonna trust you. Can we do that? Can you lead us into that just for a moment? Your promise still says Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness Still in your hands This is my confidence You never fail me Your promise still You're the God who never fails. And God, today I pray, God, that whatever people are lifting up to you, God, whatever they're trusting in you and placing it in your hands, let them remind themselves every day that you're the God who never fails. You're the God who keeps his word. You're the God that keeps his promises. And so I just thank you for that truth today. Let it be not just something that we say, but something that we live. And so I just thank you so much for reminding us that today. And I pray a blessing upon our people. I pray that they go out trusting you with more joy and stretching their faith because they believe for greater things ahead. So I pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen, amen. Well, thank you. God bless you. It's Life Group Week. I hope you have a great time with your group processing what God has done in your life. Also, before you leave, if you're a member of Grace Church, I need you to do something really important. We want to ratify the vote to bring in Amber as our new council member. So on the seat back, there's a little card there. If you can make a vote, drop it off in the little black box by the door. God bless you. Have a great day.